Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 24 is our text this evening. Second Chronicles chapter 24, please give careful attention now to the reading of God's very word. <clears throat> Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba, and Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. Jehoiada got for him two wives, and he had sons and daughters. After this, Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord. And he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you act quickly. But the Levites did not act quickly. So the king summoned Jehoiada the chief and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and Jerusalem the tax levied by Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the congregation of Israel for the tent of testimony? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also used all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord for the Baals. So the king commanded, and they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. And proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring in for the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, laid on Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought their tax and dropped it into the chest until they had finished. And whenever the chest was brought to the king's officers by the Levites, when they saw that there was much money in it, the king's secretary and the officer of the chief priest would come and empty the chest and take it and return it to its place. Thus they did day after day and collected money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who had charge of the work of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord, and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So those who were engaged in the work labored, and the repairing went forward in their hands, and they restored the house of God to its proper condition and strengthened it. And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, And with it were made utensils for the house of the Lord, both for the service and for the burnt offerings, and dishes for incense and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord regularly all the days of Jehoiada. But Jehoiada grew old and full of days and died. He was 130 years old at his death. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel and toward God and his house. 
Now after the death of Jehoiada, the, pre, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. And then the king listened to them, and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Yet they sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. These testified against them, but they would not pay attention. Then the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But they conspired against him, and by command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada, Zechariah's father, had shown him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. At the end of the year, the army of the Syrians came up against Joash. They came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. And though the army of the Syrians had come with few men, the Lord delivered into their hand a very great army because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, Thus they executed judgment on Joash. When they had departed from him, leaving him severely wounded, his servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Those who conspired against him were Zabad, the son of Shemieth, the Ammonite, and Jehozabad, the son of Shemrith, the Moabite. Accounts of his sons and of the many oracles against him and of the rebuilding of the house of God are written in the story of the book of the kings. And Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, at the close of this beautiful, very busy Lord's Day, we thank you for the joy to be gathered together again, to sing your praise and to rejoice in your kindness and mercy to us, to lay ourselves at your feet, to come and present ourselves in assembly to you, the true and the living God. And Lord, as, as we close this day, uh, Lord, as we think of the beginning of this new uh, week, uh, we ask that you would give us uh, a lively uh, faith in you, Lord Jesus, uh, that you would revive us, uh, that you would give us uh, a renewed love for you, Lord Jesus, that would burn 
in our hearts all through this week. And that, Lord, as we look at the sad, shocking testimony uh, of this king uh, who turned away, uh, who showed his true colors that had been so hidden uh, for many years, uh, that, Lord, you would give us genuine hearts to love you. Uh, Lord, plow our hearts up this night. Uh, Lord, uh, nurture that gospel seed that you have planted and cause it to bring forth uh, a great harvest for your praise in our own hearts, in our children's hearts, our grandchildren's hearts, from generation to generation, uh, as long as as time lasts, we beg for your grace and mercy and saving presence. In Christ we pray, amen. Well, this chapter really is a, a shocking account of the reign of, of this king. Now, you remember the two chapters uh, before this, we saw um, the devastating um, reign of, of Joram come to an end. Um, Ahaziah, uh, his son, uh, becomes king. And Joram's wife, Athaliah, uh, who is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, uh, that Jehoshaphat had wickedly and foolishly, uh, contrary to what God had explicitly instructed uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, had given his uh, son to marry one who did not love the Christ. And it had devastating consequences. Well, um, in chapter 24 now, we see uh, the reign of Joash. And Joash had been spared from death as Athaliah was on her rampage, uh, killing all of the, her grandchildren uh, who would be the natural heirs of the throne. Um, she is desirous that um, she reign, and the speculation is that she desired that the control of, of Judah would return under the kings of uh, Israel. That is not spelled out, uh, but whatever her uh, end game was, uh, it was a horrifying thing. But one of Ahaziah's sisters, um, Jehoshabeth, uh, who was married to a fellow by the name of Jehoiada, uh, the priest, uh, sees this slaughter taking place and spares uh, this little baby boy. Um, he is kept... Uh, for six years, uh, he's about one year old when this takes place, and for six years he is sheltered, protected, kept in secret uh, there in the temple 
complex by um, Jehoshabeth and uh, Jehoiada. And um, he had been proclaimed king. Um, Athaliah is executed. And so that's where we pick up our account now in verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. And Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Um, Jehoiada was um, a godly man. And um, as long as this godly man was alive, um, the influence of his uh, love uh, for the Christ, by and large, uh, kept uh, Joash in check. It was such an influence that he um, uh, obviously uh, is, is even going beyond Jehoiada's express um, directions at the beginning in regard to the restoration of the temple. And one of the things that this impresses upon us is that mere outward works uh, do not always tell the tale. Uh, in time, they will be uh, shown to either be inconsistent, just um, uh, artificial fruit, uh, or... Uh, indeed, a genuine indication of a heart that is right with the living God, that has saving union with Messiah. And this fruit, indeed, is uh, a genuine expression uh, that is consistent uh, and uh, overall growing in the Lord. Well, in verses 4 through 14, uh, we see the refurbishment of the temple. And this uh, tax that was referred to here, the, the head tax, uh, had been neglected. The temple was in disrepair because the uh, prophets of Baal had ransacked the temple during Athaliah's reign. Uh, this passage tells us, and had plundered all of the resources of the temple and the vessels that had been used for the worship of the true and the living God. And so Joash leads the charge in seeing this uh, restored and, and put right. Um, it is a reminder to us uh, that just because good-seeming outward things are done doesn't necessarily uh, mean all is well. Uh, for example, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and here we have another example to us of outward things that are being done, uh, but uh, they are artificial fruit and not indicative uh, of a converted heart. And they are not long-standing and they're not focused on 
the heart and the life being devoted to the living God, but have merely to do with outward acts of religion. And so here in Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus is warning about false prophets. In verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And while this is true in general, Jesus is applying this uh, uh, truth that people's heart condition will evidence itself to the whole matter of teachers. And so verse 21, he goes on, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." And so here we have the Lord Jesus on the great day of judgment saying uh, that just because someone confesses with their mouth uh, that yes is part of what God instructs us to do uh, in, in becoming a Christian. As we read in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you uh, shall be saved. Well, here Jesus says, just because you say the words, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is the belief in the heart that is accompanying that. And what is so striking in this passage, like Joash Joash, if, you, if all you knew about Joash was his zealous work in uh, refurbishing the temple and putting everything back in order, you would be going, wow. I mean, this guy even corrects Jehoiada. Jehoiada, we need to get with this, buddy. We need to, we need to get the work done. But it was all outward show. It was all an act of hypocrisy on Joash's part. And what's striking is the Lord Jesus warns us that on the day of judgment, there will be people. Notice verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, many, Lord, Lord. And notice these acts are all outward religious acts. And I want you to think in the history of God's people. In the New Testament, we had a fellow by the name of Judas Iscariot. And when Jesus tells the disciples 
um, before the rooster crows, uh, one of you is going to betray me. Um, what do the disciples do? They don't immediately all turn their eyes down uh, the table to Judas and go, he's the one. Um, why? Well, because Judas had participated in all of these outward things. He had prophesied. He had spoken the word of the gospel along with these other apostles when they would go uh, out being sent by the Lord Jesus. Um, he had been present and had participated in casting out demons in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there were miracles that were performed by the apostles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those very startling outward acts of religion. And yet the Lord Jesus says that on that day, in verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, there are things that we need to take to heart about this. It's a good thing for us to pray. It's a good thing for us to read our Bibles. It, these are good things that we ought to be doing. But these are outward things that we dare not allow uh, the evil one to tell us that as long as we're doing these outward things, that's all that is pleasing in God's sight. And Joash is a stunning reminder to us that one can do outward works that are good and seemingly are the evidence of a lively faith in Christ. But as we see in this passage, uh, Joash, as long as Jehoiada was alive, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Well, in verse 15 of Second Chronicles, um, we read, But Jehoiada grew old and full of days and died. He was 130 years old at his death, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel and toward God and his house. Now this man was old when he died. He had served as a priest all of those years, um, beginning uh, after his apprenticeship at the age uh, most likely of around 30. And uh, here he now is 130 years old. And all of these succeeding reigns of kings, he had been alive. Uh, if you do the math and go back and look at the number of years that these various kings of Judah reigned, um, he uh, uh, grew up during the reign of King Solomon. And so uh, this man uh, had a, a, a very influential position in the history of the kings of Judah. And Jehoiada now is gone. And what happens uh, when he's gone? Well, he's honored. Uh, he's buried among the kings. 
But in verse 17, Now after the death of Jehoiada, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them. Uh, here we see the tragic uh, testimony of the influence that had been introduced uh, through this intermarriage uh, with uh, Jehoshaphat allying himself uh, by the marriage of his son with the house of Ahab and the uh, horrifying spiritual uh, de decline that had uh, spread like a cancer. Here we have now the very princes of Judah who are supposed to be men who are leaders uh, to uh, remind the king and the other leaders that uh, we need to be faithful to the Lord. And you remember our theme verse that outlines either the revivals or the times of judgment uh, in the history recorded in Second Chronicles is chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so here we see that the very men who are supposed to be uh, the first line of defense, if you will, uh, uh, calling the king uh, to repent if he does wickedness, are coming to the king to encourage him to turn away from the true and the living God. And I love the way Matthew Henry uh, 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 responded or, or commented on this. He said, quote, They tell him he must be priest-ridden no longer. He is now discharged from grave lessons and restraints. He may do as he pleases. And would you think it? The princes of Judah were the men that were so industrious to debauch him. His father and grandfather were corrupted by the house of Ahab, from whom no better could be expected. But the princes of Judah should be seducers to their king was very sad. But those that incline to the counsels of the ungodly will never want ungodly, will never want for ungodly counselors. Now, th think, think about what he just said. In other words... And, and this is something we need to really take to heart, and particularly you young people and children. I, I want you to take note of this, that Joash, he had tolerated men, and he listened to men and gave his ear to men that he liked to hear. And the Proverbs talk about that the wounds of a friend are faithful, but the kisses of an enemy, oh, they're deceitful. And so you need to be careful. Don't surround yourself with people like Solomon did. You remember Solomon's son? 
uh, Rehoboam, when Solomon was gone, Solomon had godly advisors. But when Solomon died, what did Rehoboam do? Uh, he surrounded himself with young men who didn't have a, a love for the Christ. And so here we see now uh, Joash. Uh, he's listening to these men who are encouraging him to turn away from the Christ. Then the king listened to them, and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. And you remember that that was the rest of chapter 7, that the Lord had answered Solomon's prayer. Lord, if your people sin and they come and confess sin and offer sacrifices here, and all of that was a picture of the work and the person of Messiah himself who would come. He is the temple. That's where we go to get right with God. He is the great high priest who laid his life down. It is his blood that is offered. He is the sacrifice. He is the one who alone can make us right with the living God. And God warned Solomon. He said, yes, my ear will be open. And when the people come and confess their sins and look in faith, uh, to the Christ by going through these uh, um, acts of offering these sacrifices through the priesthood, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. But, and this is chapter 7, verse 19. If you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have uh, given you and this house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? And then they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. And so... They abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And in verse 18 of chapter 24, 
we're not surprised because God is being faithful to his word. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. But here we see the mercy of God in verse 19. Yet he sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. These testified against them, but they would not pay attention. And so here we have the mercy of God. He is very patient. He is very long-suffering. And he sends prophets, plural. Well, the culmination in verse 20, then the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest. And so Zechariah, um, he is not the Zechariah of the book of Zechariah, same name. But this Zechariah is a son of Jehoiada the priest. The very man who had been responsible for rescuing King Joash when he was one year old had protected and spared him uh, in his quarters there in the temple complex, had led the declaration openly that Joash is the rightful king, had seen him crowned and begun his reign. The son of this man now, Zechariah, the Spirit of God comes upon Zechariah, and he stood above the people, and he said to them, Thus says God, Why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord. He has forsaken you. But they conspired against him. And by command of the king, that wasn't that there was an angry mob that got out of hand and they just did something and then King Joash hears about it. No, uh, this mob uh, descends upon Zechariah and the king, he issues his decree. This man ought to be executed. By the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Uh, just an, an act of, of uh, wickedness. Here this king, whose very life had been spared by Jehoiada, now turns and orders the execution of Jehoiada's son because he doesn't like the truth. He will not tolerate having this man publicly calling him to repent. Thus, Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada, Zechariah's father, had shown him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. Now, this prayer was a powerful prayer. It is a prayer that sometimes that's all God's people have to do in fighting against evil. It reminds us of Psalm 11. And if you'll turn with me to Psalm 11. Uh, here's a psalm where uh, it, it's a bleak outlook. 
it, it looks like wickedness is winning. And uh, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, it, it appears from a human perspective there's nothing we can do. But there is one thing. Uh, even if we are locked up in Herod's prison, even if we're a Zechariah, uh, and, and Joash has said, well, I, I'm not going to listen uh, anymore to uh, you talking about uh, Jesus of Nazareth and the Bible. Uh, you've got to go. Uh, there is one thing uh, that is left to us, and it is the first thing we ought to be doing, as well as the last thing uh, that is available to us, and that is remembering and crying and appealing to the God who reigns in heaven. In Psalm 11, to the choir master of David, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. Now, that's a, that's a, a bad spot to be in. Here you are, you're trying to get away from the wicked. But even when it gets dark, they are shooting arrows. They're just, they're just letting the arrows fly in your direction. And so, verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, what can the righteous do? Well, we can appeal to the God who reigns in heaven. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked. And the one who loves violence, let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. I promise you, if you had lived in the days of Saul, and Tar Saul of Tarsus and somebody with a squad of soldiers had burst into your home or the meeting place and people were arrested and daddies were carried off and executed and you never saw them again, it'd stir you up to pray. You would probably even pray Psalm 11. And in the Lord's time, he did put to death Saul of Tarsus. He destroyed this enemy by graciously converting him. There were other enemies uh, uh, that seemed to be invincible as well. Uh, one was a fellow by the name of King Herod. And we won't take the time, but you can read about that in the book of Acts chapter 12. Uh, he had executed James, had arrested Peter. God's people were praying, and you remember uh, that the Lord sent an angel uh, to rescue Peter. He comes to the home uh, of Mary where they were gathered there in Jerusalem praying, and there's a knock at the door, and Rhoda, the servant girl, runs to the door, 
and she hears and recognizes Peter's voice, and she's so excited she forgets to unlock the door and runs back in and says, It's Peter! And they all say, You're crazy. He's in prison awaiting... Ex now, they had been praying all night for Peter. Uh, it, it, it reminds us how quick we are to forget the power of prayer. God works through the prayers, the sovereign of the universe. Well, Zechariah, he prays as he is dying. May the Lord see and avenge. Well, uh, the end of chapter 24, the Lord reminds us uh, uh, no one ever gets away with sin. And so here, Joash, at the end of the year, the army of the Syrians came up against Joash. They came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all the spoil to the king of Damascus. Though the army of the Syrians had come with few men, the Lord delivered into their hand a very great army. Just like the Lord had warned in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and Leviticus chapter 26, spelling out the blessings and the judgments. If a nation seeks after uh, the true and the living God, uh, loving Messiah and walking with him, then God says, I'll open the windows of heaven and bless you. But if you turn away to other gods, here are the chastenings that will come upon you. And one of the chastenings was uh, that uh, you would go out and ten uh, uh, would chase uh, a thousand. Uh, but the reverse, the judgment uh, that they would be overwhelmed uh, by other armies. And so here we have a very small, uh, in, in proportion, army uh, defeating Judah. And the reason? Because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Thus they executed judgment on Joash. Well, Joash is wounded in this conflict. And in verse 25, when they had departed from him, leaving him severely wounded, his servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed. Now the Hebrew, it's literally the sons of Jehoiada. And we don't know any of the other details, but uh, perhaps it wasn't just Zechariah. Uh, that was executed. But uh, we go on. So he died and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Jehoiada, he was buried in the tombs of the kings. Uh, this man uh, who was a king, but who uh, was such a, a wicked man, um, he was not buried in the tombs of the kings. And those who conspired against him, and it lists those, we'll talk more about that uh, soon. Uh, verse 27, accounts of his sons and of the many oracles against him and of the rebuilding of the house of God are written in the story of the book of the kings. But Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. 
So that's the sad testimony of this fellow, Joash. So what do we need to learn from this? Well, first of all, we're reminded that we cannot see people's hearts. You can't see my heart. I can't see yours. And what appears may not, in fact, be real. But God knows uh, we can never fool him. And we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith, doing the best that we can. Who we marry, who we vote for, we seek to apply God's standard, his word, the Bible, to all of the situations of life around us, who we work with, who we are partners with in business. All of these things, we do the best we can. And sometimes we are fooled. But God sees the heart. He is never fooled. Another thing is reformation may be outward. And if it is just outward, it will be very temporary. And that's true in individuals, it's true in families, it's true in congregations, it's true in nations. But God sees, and in his time, all will be brought to light. Joash walked outwardly in faithfulness as long as Jehoiada was alive, but as soon as he died, he gave his heart and mind to those who would lead him away from the Christ to false gods who cannot save but only deliver him to death. He followed the woman folly in Proverbs 9 instead of the woman wisdom in Proverbs 8, God's wisdom personified. Young people, make use of the means of grace but never rest upon just going through outward motions. Yes, read your Bible, gather with God's people to worship, honor the Lord's day each Sunday, seek His face, but what will you be and do when you leave the nest? What will you be and do when your Jehoiadas are gone? Will you Continue to confess Christ. Oh, how I pray that indeed this very night you will give yourself unreservedly to the Lord Jesus and you will purpose as Daniel and his young friends did in your heart that you will serve the Lord. But see the fickleness of the human heart. We are reminded of the grace of God alone that is needed to save us and keep us. Lastly, remember the kindness that God has given to us in the past. Remember his own mercies that he has showered upon us. Even mercies that are given to your parents. And if you are betrayed, 
Remember that yet God reigns. No one gets away with sin. Just ask Joash or Judas or Balaam or any of these wicked kings. Oh, how we rejoice that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. And He has the power to keep us and to keep us from being a Joash. Amen. Father, we beg that you would write upon our hearts your word. O Lord, we tremble. We think about the children of Israel that were rescued from bondage in Egypt and came to the edge of the promised land that we looked at this morning, and yet uh, they turned away in unbelief. And in that passage in chapter 4, you go on to warn that we've had the gospel preached to us just like they did. And yet, uh, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Because they did not believe in you, Lord Jesus. And we beg, Lord, that you would impress upon us as we see this example uh, of, of a man who at least for a long time outwardly, uh, seemed to be doing the right thing, seemed to be good. Oh, Lord, plow our hearts up. Uh, we do cling to you, Lord Jesus. Uh, we don't want to serve you just because our, our parents are, are asking us outwardly to do what is right in your sight. But, Lord Jesus, because... Uh, we, we do love you, and we commit ourselves anew this night uh, to follow you all our days. Lord God, bless now as we sing and as we come to your table. In Jesus we pray. Amen.